0: Uh, you know this year, I, you know, I'm feeling generous, so I thought what we'd do is uh, I'm gonna go Christmas caroling. I'm just gonna go to people's house and I uh, do a little caroling. You can't carol by yourself, right? So I've got some friends here with me. They're in a band called Need to Breathe. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, great band. They've toured with Taylor Swift. Uh, they've been on TV. I watched them on Letterman, on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and so with all that, Going on, I thought you guys could be my background Care alerts. Think you can handle that? I think we can probably handle it. People love it when the pastor just shows up. Very yeah, yeah, they do. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas, Merry man. Christmas. All right. Merry All right. Christmas. Thanks right. for coming. We'll see you. We'll hey, hey, hold on. Pastor Greg. Hey, I just want to say thanks so much for coming. Uh, I was wondering if I could get a picture. Yeah, no problem. Okay. No problem. Right. Just let me get my hair right. All right, there you go. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. To breathe, smeeze. Man, that was awesome. Man, they loved it so much. That was so fun. Yeah, we should do this more? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really a lot of fun. They uh, seemed to really like you guys. I don't know. Maybe it's the way you dress. Really? Could be. Maybe that would help. I mean, yeah. You know, maybe like a hat or something. A hat. What do you think? It's better. It's what? better. it's pretty smooth. Yeah. Does that say something? Well something? It's something good. Maybe if it, it could make you taller, it would really do it. Oh, almost. Yeah, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, that was fun last house. They they knew you guys. It was awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. yeah d- uh, don't get your hopes up. It may not be that way everywhere. But we'll be all right. Give it your best. Joy to the world, the Lord. breathe at your front door for <laughs> <laughs> Christmas songs. Hey guys, Merry Christmas. Thanks for everything. Yeah, right. Thank Thank Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thanks for bye. oh, oh hey, great, great. One second. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, we never really get a chance to to say things to you, yeah. you know, on Sunday morning. Yeah. And I just want to tell you that we really like it. When Josh speaks. Oh yeah, yeah yeah, yeah he yeah yeah the it's, people tell me that the you know the uh, acorn didn't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, we mean Josh Walters. Oh yeah, great. A little frustrated to be honest with you about you know how they reacted. It's, you know I know you're supposed to be above that, but Hey Greg, listen, man, don't beat yourself up over you know a really close friend of mine, Taylor. She always used to say, haters, they're going to hate, 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 hate. And players, they're just going to play, 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 play. You just got to shake it off, bro. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I got one more house. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bell. <laughs> uh, I guess I want that one, you? Yeah. you guys want to come inside and sing one for the family? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that need to breathe? Yeah, Miles, that's need to breathe. Hey now, this is my desire. Consume me like a fire. I just want something beautiful. Okay, I need you to be honest with me. Was that applause for me or need to breathe? Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. We're sure glad that you came to spend your Christmas Eve with us. And I want to welcome those of you who are uh, in another part of this building uh, or at one of the campuses or on the internet. I'm glad that you guys chose to spend uh, Christmas Eve uh, with us also. I love Christmas Eve. You guys... Some of you are really dressed up, really, really nice, I tell you, it looks good. Last night, um, my whole family was here, so we were on about the first 15 rows right there, and (laughs) the kids look great. You know, we've got 14 grandkids, and they just all, you know, they were dressed up, and we took pictures and all that kind of thing. And so I I said to him, I said, you guys look look awesome, you guys really look nice. And Miles, the seven-year-old who's the oldest one, he he said, uh, Papa, I don't like looking nice. I thought there's a little, there's probably a story behind that a little bit. So I, you know, thought I'd research it with him. And I said, Miles, why is that? And he said, well, well, Papa, he said, I like what you call the Christmas series this year. I said, really? And he said, yeah, Christmas is complicated. Because Christmas is complicated, he said, especially when you have to wear nice clothes. <laughs> I thought a little grump. You know, but there's a lot, there's a lot of truth to that. And there's probably a few of us here. I'm one of them. They would rather, you know, maybe dress down just a little bit, but we're glad you're here. You know, uh, I heard that um, just a few days ago, uh, God was looking down on earth, and everywhere he saw was evil, so much evil going on, And and so he asked one of the angels, in fact, he asked his best angel to come down and kind of look around earth and give him a report and see if that was true. And so she came down and she looked all over the earth and spent a few days and came back up and she said, God, it's true. She said 95% of the people have their minds constantly on evil. There's only 5% probably that are doing good. So he said, well, I better... I better really check that out. And so he sent another angel, and that angel went down, looked around, came back, made a report, and said, it's true, God, 95% are evil, and there's only 5% that are focusing on good. So God said, this is what I'm going to do. So I'm going to send an email to that 5%, those that are, have their minds on good, and I'm just going to send them some encouragement and kind of an attaboy and just kind of a pick-me-up for what they're doing. Well, do you know what that email said? So you didn't get one either, did you? <laughs> it's as good as it gets. You better laugh hearty at that. Actually, that helps me to get into what I want to talk about. So, so what if? So what if? Let's let's assume that God wanted to send you, and you're good. I mean, you're you know, your mind is on good, especially tonight. And what if God wanted to send you an attaboy? and add a girl, some encouragement. What would he say, and how would he say it? And so here's what we're going to do. Here's the premise. We're going to look at three characters in the Christmas story that God revealed himself to, and uh, what, what, we, what we're going to do, I, I, I want you to kind of help me with this. First of all, we're going to see, what did he say to them? What was the principle involved? How did he encourage them, number one? Number two, who do I relate to? because there's probably going to be one of them that you relate to more than another. And then the third thing is, based on what he said to them, what would he say to me in encouragement tonight? Does that make sense? So I want you to work a little bit, I want you to walk with me, and then we'll kind of circle back around to that uh, at the end. Now the first character is the obvious one, it's it's Mary. And Mary was a 14-year-old girl, just an average 14-year-old girl. How many 14-year-old girls do we have here tonight? Just raise your hand if you're a 14-year-old girl. Do we have some 14-year-old girls? Certainly, we've got to have some. Okay, there's one back there. 14-year-old, okay, there's one. 14-year-old girls are cool, I want to tell you that. They really are. So what are 14-year-old girls like? Well, you know, um, they're growing up. They're kind of making the transition from little girl to young woman. Uh, They're kind of stressed out about uh, school and their appearance and um, probably friends—they're stressing over friends a little bit. They're stressing; some of them are stressed over boyfriends, maybe for the first time. And um, what else? What are they listening to? What kind of music do they like? They like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, and uh, they used to like Justin Bieber, but he's not cool anymore. And so they like Selena Gomez—you know, that kind of thing. And I did a little poll of 14-year-old girls, and. Um, and they love their mothers but it's kind of a it's kind of a tense time right now because they, they might have an agreement that goes kind of like this you know mom if you see me in a uh, in a mall it's okay to go you know or so like but please don't come up and hug me and kiss me and tell me how proud you are of me because 14 year old girls are just trying to fit in and mary was a typical average 14 year old girl and god says That's the one. That's the one. I want to change the world. I want to do something significant in the world that's going to change the world. And she's the one, 14-year-old girl. And you and I go, really, God? A 14-year-old girl? I mean, we like 14-year-old girls, but are they ready for this? And if you're 14 or 24... Or any other age where those who might be wise among us are saying they're probably too young. I want to encourage you. You may have a dream in your heart, you may have something that God wants to significantly do through you. And here's what Mary says to us you're never too young for God to do something significant through you and in you. See, and it's not just Mary. I mean, if you looked in the Old Testament, Probably, arguably, maybe the second most prominent character after Moses would be David. In fact, Israel still recognizes him as the greatest king that ever lived. And he was. When David slew Goliath, he was 15 years old. All the adults were paralyzed with fear. The army didn't know what to do. And God used a 15-year-old boy to make progress in his kingdom. And that wasn't the first time God approached David. Samuel was looking for a new king, to anoint a king. Now, the king wouldn't reign for a few years, but he goes to find the king, and there's kind of this audition, and there's all these guys that look good, and they they look kingly, and they look like they're the ones, and they're all much older than David. And he goes to David, and he says, you're the one. David was 13 years old. You're never too young for God to do something significant through you. The New Testament. You remember the lunch boy? Remember the lunch boy? Jesus is preaching, and, uh, and evidently his sermon's long. It's, it goes past noon. You know he wasn't in a Baptist church, okay? And so I like Baptists. It's fine. But so he goes past noon. Everybody's hungry. There's no McDonald's, you know. There's no restaurants around. And so, and, and so he says to his disciples, you need to feed these people. And he knows he's testing them because he knows he wants to see if they have faith, because he's gonna do a miracle. So they go out into all of the people and there's like 5,000 men, so there's probably three times that many, maybe 15,000 people. And the only thing I could come up with was, was one sack lunch of about a seven or eight year old boy. It's the only one willing to take a chance on Jesus and this little boy gives up his lunch and maybe he thinks Jesus might do something significant through him. In the New Testament, you've got Paul who wrote most of it. And he's got this young protege. His name's Timothy. And a church needed a pastor, and so he sends Timothy, and they all think he's too young. And Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, don't let anybody despise you for your youth. I can remember being that guy. I can remember being a young preacher with a passion in my eyes and a big... Big dream and a big vision, and we went to our first church to be the pastor. I was 22 years old. I turned 23 the third week I was there, full of wisdom. <laughs> I had to counsel people. How would you like to go to a 23-year-old pastor with your significant issues? I found out right away people had adult issues. They had grown-up issues. Some of them, I had no idea what, what the issues were, what they meant. I mean, it was like, really? People do that? Wow. I didn't say that. That's what I was thinking. And I'd run up against something I didn't have a clue what to say. And so I'd say something like this Well, let, I, here's what I'm going to do I'm going to go pray and I'm going to ask God for a solution to an answer for you. And then give me your phone, phone number. I'll call you back when we've got an answer. And so they would do that. And as soon as they'd leave, I'd call my Uncle Norman, who was a seasoned pastor. And I'd say, Uncle Norman, have you ever heard of this? Sure, I've heard of that. Well, what do you do? Well, this is what you do, and this is counsel from God's word. So I'd hang up, I'd call them, and I'd say, I've heard from God. <laughs> and I had, God had spoken to me through my Uncle Norman. So here's the question: here's the question. Why so often does God choose young people, next generation, to do significant things through? Why did he choose Mary? There's probably a lot of reasons, but here's what I think. I think it's because young people have reckless faith. They haven't lived long enough to know that there are some things in life that are just impossible. And so they trust and believe God for the impossible. And God uses them in powerful, powerful ways. So the angel comes to Mary, a 14-year-old girl, and says, God wants to birth something significant through you, and Mary says, as you say unto me, so be it. Today's lingo would be cool, okay? Let's go for it. Let's do it. And so what Mary says is that you're never too young, and there may be some of you here tonight who you have a dream, you have a vision, or you believe that you want to accomplish something. And there are those around you that maybe think you're too young, and you need to listen to your parents. I'm not saying that. But God says you're never too young for God to do something significant through you. It's the first character. Second character is just on the opposite end of the scale. He's an older guy named Simeon. Now, we meet Simeon 40 days after uh, Jesus is born. Jesus' uh, mother and father, Mary and Joseph, are bringing him to the temple uh, to dedicate him to the Lord. It's a practice that we do here at Seacoast with our babies. They're bringing him to dedicate uh, him to the Lord, and they run into this older guy named Simeon. I don't believe it's a coincidence. I don't think there are coincidences in God's kingdom. It's a happenstance. It just happened, but God lined it up. So what do we know about Simeon and why was he there? During the time that Jesus was born, it was a rough time for Israel. They're under Roman domination. They haven't had a prophet of their own for 500 years, for 500 years. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough, tough time. And one of the last prophets had said, there's coming a day when God is going to send an anointed one. He's going to, you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. There's a Messiah that's going to come. And so the Jewish people began to wait for that Messiah. When is he coming? When is he coming? Now, when it didn't happen in the first year, or the second year, or the tenth year, or the hundredth year. Some got discouraged and stopped waiting. Simeon wasn't one of those. The Bible says that Simeon was a devout, a faithful, a devout, a just man. And so he's waiting on the coming of the Lord, on the Messiah. The Bible says that at some point he had an encounter with God where God says to him, Simeon, you're not gonna die until you see the salvation of the Lord. And so now he's got a purpose. And so every day he probably gets up and says, is this the day? Is this the day? Is this the day? And finally on the 40th day after Jesus was born, the Bible says that on a prompting from the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. Apparently, the Holy Spirit was his wake-up call that day. And he went to the temple faithfully. And when he went to the temple, he encountered his destiny in a little boy. And so what Simeon teaches us is that you're never too old to be a part of the story. You are never too old to be a part of the story. Some of us probably think, you know, life's passed me by. Or the best is is behind me, and maybe we're just kind of feel like we're putting in time until the end. And God says, time out. No, 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 no. You're never too old to be a part of the story. You know, we need Mary's. We need the young people. Because the young are, are daring and they're reckless in their faith. But we also need Simeons. We need the older saints. We need them because they're faithful. Simeon, it says, was just and faithful man. So when I think of a Simeon in our church, I think of my friend Wilma McWilliams. Let me tell you about Wilma and how she fits into your story. Will you get a bulletin out? I've got mine in my pocket. Do you carry your bulletin in your pocket? Neither do I except for when I'm preaching about it. So pull it out. Would you pull your bulletin? You got one as you came in. I want you to pull it out want you to hold it in your hand, okay? We're not going to refer to the inside. I want you just to hold it in your hand like this. Let me explain it. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but you know what? Bulletins don't just arrive. There they are. Somebody makes them. Somebody puts time in. There are people that actually stuff the fill-in-the-blanks. No, we do fill-in-the-blanks notes here at Seacoast because that's how God speaks to us. And yeah, some of you, if the blanks weren't filled, you'd have a terrible week, so we always have one of those. Now, let me, let me explain the process. I want to go behind the scenes so you can kind of see what happens at Seacoast. So, so if you're the speaker at Seacoast, it, you, you have to have your message pretty well done on Thursday, at least the notes part. And the notes then are printed at noon on Thursday, and it takes them two hours to print and dry. And then at 2 o'clock, there's a group that shows up out in the foyer here at the Long Point campus. And uh, it's, a, it's a small group, and it's mostly women. And their role at the church is they stuff the bulletins for you and they pray over them in hopes that God will meet the holder of the bulletin in some way in the service that weekend. Now, while that's happening, whoever is speaking has to come into this building and preach their message from right here to an empty auditorium. Um, Now... Somebody, uh, a lot of research has said uh, the number one fear that people have is public speaking. Let me tell you, it's a breeze speaking to you guys. It is not, well, it's not a breeze, but it's much easier than it is to speak to an empty auditorium, except for there's only like 10 people in here, and they're critiquing how you're speaking. They're not nice people, okay? (laughs) And it, it helps, but I mean, it is torture. Many a Thursdays, I've walked down that aisle right there beaten and broken by those people and walked out into the foyer to see those who are stuffing the bulletin and there's there's Wilma McWilliams and her friends and she always has an encouraging word for me. Now the bulletin that you hold right now in your hand, they stuffed last Thursday and I, I came in to see them. And I took a picture of Wilma as she was stuffing bulletins. Take a look there, she's on the screen. She's a be- beautiful lady. She's there every Thursday. But here's what I want to tell you what's special about Wilma. Next month, on a Thursday, we're going to celebrate Wilma's 100th, anniversary, er, 100th birthday. 100th birthday. What do you think? And she's a part of the story. What are you going to be doing on your 100th birthday? And what's your excuse for not being a part of the story now? You know why she's a part of the story? Because she's faithful. She's faithful. Simeon was faithful. And because he was faithful, on that 40th day... After Jesus was born, he showed up. Sometimes that's all you gotta do is just show up to be a part of the story. And he shows up and he sees them and something tells him inside, this is the one. This is the one you've been waiting for. And he takes the child of promise in his hands and he lifts him up to the Lord and he begins to pray and he prays a prayer over him Then he begins to prophesy to him. What's his future going to be? He speaks words of encouragement over the promised child. As I thought about that, I thought there are, there are some of us who, we're not married anymore. Maybe we've gotten older in our faith and some of us may be feeling like, you know, what is the future for us? What's my next? I don't know. And maybe the best of life is the part I see in the rearview mirror. And God says, no, you're never too old to be a part of the story. And there may be a child of promise that's in your arena of influence. It may be one of your kids, one of your grandkids. It might be someone you teach at school. It could be someone that you volunteer or serve with. And they're a child of promise. Maybe you're mentoring them right now so that they can have a better shot at graduating from high school and having a better life. And you're alive right now so that God can use you to speak words of encouragement, words of promise, words of life into them. And sometimes in this world, they, they don't hear words like that. And you're to be the voice of more in their lives. See, there's something powerful about a seasoned saint who speaks life-giving words into the next generation. Oh, it's easy to be critical. It's easy not to like, you know, whatever, the music, the dress, whatever it happens to be. But God's called you to be a Simeon and to speak words of life because it's never too late to be a part of the story. Then there's, there's one more. And uh, and we find him right here. His name's his name's Zachariah, and uh, Zachariah is is an older guy. He's not as old as Simeon. He's probably in his sixties, and he's married to um, Elizabeth, who is Mary's cousin. Are you are you confused? It's it's all it's they would invite them to the you know Christmas dinner if Christmas had already happened. You understand what I'm saying? So it's a, he's married to a cousin. He's part of the family. And his story is this. He and Elizabeth were never able to have kids. Infertility is a tough issue. It is now, it was then. At first, every month was a month of promise and hope, and then after month, after month, after month, and then year after year went by. And finally, they settle into this kind of knowledge that we're probably not gonna have kids. And there are things that trigger tough emotions and tough feelings. Other people have their kids around, their special occasions, all those kind of things, and they just kind of suck it up. Probably don't want anybody to know what they're really feeling. And then one day, an angel of the Lord shows up to Zechariah. And the angel says, your wife's pregnant. And Zechariah reacts probably because of some of the pain that he has, like, you know, don't mess with me, you know? That can't be so, and I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. We've settled that issue. the angel says to Zachariah, because of your response, you're you're not going to be able to speak. You're going to have a seat on the sideline in a drama that should be starring you, and you're not going to be able to speak for nine months till the baby's born. Now, some of you wives would say, that's not a bad Christmas gift, really. I mean, if my husband could not speak and say something stupid for nine months, that's not bad. He's just going to be around, you know, all right, that's okay. But for Zachariah, it's a tough place to be. It's a tough place to be because... Because it's a silent world. It's, it's a. He's got a... Do you understand the concept of sometimes you can spend too much time in your own head? And that's kind of where he is. And probably he's frustrated. He feels some shame. He's thinking, why did I say what I said? Why didn't I believe? And if he's like me, it just starts to snowball. And he starts to think of... All the other times that he's failed and not responded as he should have, and and it just builds up and builds up and builds up. And maybe some of you relate to Zachariah. There may be a relationship where you said the wrong thing. You did the wrong thing. And if you could have it back, you'd never do that again. But it's too late. The relationship's shattered and it's broken, and you feel pain and some of you feel shame every time you think about an area where you failed or where you fell. And it may be relationally, it may be financially, it may be in some other area. You feel like you're sidelined from the real adventure. And here's the good news. What Zechariah tells us and teaches us is that it's never too late to get a fresh start. It's never too late to get a fresh start. See here's kind of the rest of the story with Zachariah. So the child is born and um 8 days later they have a ceremony, circumcision, where they also name the child and the whole family is around and 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 the, uh, the there's friends and Um, it's just kind of like a celebration, but everybody kind of feels sorry for Zachariah because he hasn't been able to participate. And somebody says, you know what? We ought to name the child Zach Jr. You know, it needs to be a family name, and he's got a great dad. Why don't we name him Zachariah? And Elizabeth says, we better ask him. And so she asks Zachariah, what should be the name of the baby? Zachariah takes a piece of paper And he takes a writing utensil. And I can only imagine him, maybe with a shaking hand, he writes out the letters that God has given him that he's to name his son. And the name is John. And when he finishes the last letter, John, immediately he, again, has the ability to speak. And the first words that he says are those after he takes his child in his arms and he lifts him up toward the heavens, much like Simeon did, and he gives a prayer over that son and he names him John and he begins to prophesy, to speak into his future who he's going to be because, you see, this John is the one that we know as John the Baptist. He's the cousin of Jesus. He's the one that makes the way for the Messiah. He's the one that calls out in the wilderness. He's the one that baptizes thousands people. And when I read that, I remember that it's never too late to get a fresh start. You're never too broken for God to restore you. On your outline sheet, there's a scripture, Psalm 34 and verse 22, and it says this, the Lord redeems the souls of his servant. The Lord redeems. That's what God does. That's what Christmas is about. It's God redeeming us to himself. He redeems the soul of his servant. And none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. You say, Greg, you don't know my story. No, I don't know your story, but I do know a lot of other stories. Can I I give you one that's real fresh from about a week ago? Debbie and I, I uh, Went to eat with a couple, and, um, and the lady's a grandmother, just like we are, and she began to tell a story of fracture in their family. It was a sad story. It was a heartbreaking story. A few years ago, some words were said, something was done. I don't know what it was, but their child decided to break off the relationship, they thought, well, this won't be long, and, but they didn't talk, and they didn't talk for a week, and then they didn't talk for a month, and then it was six months, and then it was a year, and then it was three years, and then it was five, and then it was a, a decade. Now, they wanted to, but it didn't happen. They couldn't exchange Christmas gifts, they couldn't speak on the phone, they could have nothing to do with their grandchildren. I thought, you know, my grandkids are everything. I can't imagine that. And then she said, something happened. God intervened. And somehow, healing began to come. And then she kind of wept as she talked to us about the first Thanksgiving, (laughs) that they had a Thanksgiving meal together as a family. And then she said, I've got a special Christmas gift for them this year. And I said, what is it? And she explained it to me. I said, I want one of those. Can you give me one of those too? Here's the deal. If you select your own Christmas gifts, you're never disappointed. So here it is. And it's a, it's a, a piece of pottery. It's a, it, it's a bowl. And um, it's done in a Japanese style. And it's called kintsugi. And here are the origins of it, supposedly. In the 15th century, there was... A, japanese shogun that um, received a gift of a chinese tea bowl but when he got the gift the gift was broken and so he sent it back to be repaired i guess it was probably a wooden bowl and uh, it came back repaired with ugly metal staples looked terrible And so some of the craftsmen that were around him said, can we take a shot at it? And they tried to make it look as it did originally, and they couldn't do it. And one of them said, you know, let's try something else. Let's use the broken pieces. Let's see what we can create. And so they created a lacquer uh, that, uh, that had gold in it, sprinkles of gold and sprinkles of silver. And they used that to repair the cracks, and it ended up being such a beautiful creation that Many people who had pottery down through the years have have even broken it so that it could be redone in this way. And the whole principle of Kintsuki is is this, that it highlights the cracks. Rather than try to hide them, it it highlights them and, and it highlights even the repairing process as an event that happened in life. Not an excuse to throw away the pottery, but it acknowledges that the event happened and that in the repair, there's even a more beautiful thing than there was originally. And she said, I'm giving that to my child to signify that something happened, but the future is beautiful. And I thought, you know what? That's, that's like God. That's what God does with us. In fact, there are some of you here that your relationships are broken or an area in your life is broken and and you feel almost as if a part of you is discarded. And God says, no, it doesn't have to be. Let's acknowledge that it happened. Let's don't hide it because that doesn't help anybody. But let's heal it. In fact, there's a scripture on your outline sheet, Psalm 147 and verse 3. And it says that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Some of you here this Christmas Eve are brokenhearted. You're brokenhearted because there's something broken in your life. It could be a relationship, it could be a failure, it could be something that maybe wasn't really initiated by you, you were just a part of the process. Or you might be here with a real heavy heart. This is the first Christmas since you lost a loved one. Or you might might be like me and several other people in this church who got a phone call this morning. Said someone we loved went to heaven last night. Way too soon. Way too soon. And your heart's broken. And God said, let's not hide it. Let's heal it. It may take some time, but allow me to make something beautiful from that. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's circle around. So the premise was a very lousy joke that led into God may want to send an email to you, and if he did, for encouragement, what would he say? Who would you relate to? And what might he be saying to you? For some of us here tonight, it's Mary. And the message is, you're never too young for God to do something significant through you. And that's God speaking to you right now. For others of us, it may be the Simeon message that says, you're never too old to be a part of the story. You feel feel like there isn't a story for you. And I just want to say, who told you that? It wasn't God. You're never too old I want you to remember Wilma when you have those thoughts or it may be you're broken or something's broken and God's word to you is it's never too late to get a fresh start you're never too broken for God to restore you so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take some time to process that I believe that God wants to begin a process in each one of us tonight it's not an accident that we're here We're here because he knew that we would be quiet for just a few minutes. So he could say to us, I love you, and I have a plan for your life. Will you pray? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for all of the good things that you do in us, around us, and through us. And God, now we just take a minute to just reflect on who you are and what you might be saying to us we receive your encouragement. Some of us receive encouragement that we're never too young and others that we're never too old and some that we're never too broken. It's never too late to get a fresh start. So God, tonight, just pound that home in us. In your name we pray, amen.